everybody. Welcome to Sweet Morning Life Live. Today we're taking a look at who are the 144,000 in the book of Revelation. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host. The gentleman I just locked eyes with was Dr. <laughs> Jonathan Rose. Still is. Hey, everybody. Series editor, New Century Edition. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hey, Curtis. So if you guys are here, you might as well take that step and like and subscribe. It's important. It gets things done. Also, you can contribute to the trajectory of a very specific part of the show here by entering your elevator pitch ideas. Mm. That's where he and I mm. will try unscripted, none of this is really scripted, but uh, totally unscripted, unrehearsed, to in one minute summarize the importance of some Swedenborg-related concept that you suggest mm. to us. And we'll, we won't see it till it's live on the screen. It's really fun. Get that in there. This program, the Swedenborg and Life show is always, Swedenborg and Life live show is always a reaction to something you asked us. Because we like you and we care about what you're thinking about. And you often give us the best rabbits to chase down the hole. And we've done that tonight. So there was a show we did, <laughs> Good Question Show, that was about suicide, the rapture, and dating in the afterlife. Mm. Who's really? answering stuff? Who's talking about stuff like this? I know. And in that show, there was a question we didn't have time to get to, which was the following. Margaret asks, I wonder what the number 144,000 in the book of Revelation means with the seals on their foreheads. The seals on their foreheads. Yes, right. What could mm. it be? Is, it this, is that the whole slice of the human race that the Lord preserves and saves and the is rest that of it? us? Like there's a quota system or something? By the way, that number does not, has not aged well. You could think about maybe back when there was a couple million people on the earth. You could say that God might only save 144,000. But it's hilarious to think of that few people being saved in the context of the billions of people alive Seven today. Seven billion people, yeah. No way! Right. It's like how much, how wasteful. How wasteful is that process that, that only, only get to save this teeny little slice? Uh, very, very odd. Let's see if we can't find, but if it's not that, then what's it, what's it there and what's what it talking it? about? Right. Let's see if we can dig into this a little bit. And we're going to begin by getting our minds straight in the icebreaker. I guess that's a little rude of me to say that's hilarious because some people have that belief. But mm. but then again, that belief it really bothers me if it is what I think it is, which is that right. the rest of us all go to hell and only a couple people go to heaven and God just... That, that paints a very... Um, I mm. need to ask more questions about that because it seems to paint a very almost imbecilic picture of God or cruel... Very strange. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very strange. Well, so... Right. But the 144,000 is important. And we're going to get into that. And actually, mm. we're going to start our journey here. We'll be answering this question here, but you answer it in the chat. And we'll be displaying your answers at the end because we'd love to know what you think about this. So the question is, what are some qualities we can seek in order to forge a connection with God and heaven? Mm. That Hey, maybe we buried the lead in there, but that's assuming we can connect with God and heaven <laughs> through qualities. There has certainly been the idea yeah. that maybe it's a deistic God that you just don't connect with at all if you, if you are accepting the idea of God, but also... Or maybe you need to take certain ritual actions and that will endear you, yes. but it doesn't really matter about your qualities. Or, or even ritual actions or m moral record Right. versus qualities, which seem more like a personality qualities. trait. So what do you think, mm. from a Swedenborgian perspective, or maybe a Jonathan Rose perspective, I don't know. Okay. Uh, what 
are some qualities we can seek in order to forge that the connection. The first one that popped into mind when I saw the question just now is um, humility and thinking about a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about those who humble themselves will be lifted up and the proud will be cast down yeah. and all, all that kind of thing. It's not talking about just feeling good about some accomplishment or something, but but really thinking yourself higher than God, or you know, yeah. is what the proud would mean there. But um, I think humility, like getting the ego a little lower, so there's kind of room for God. I think is a really important thing. And I think of all those biblical stories where God appeared to people, and they bow down or they fall on their faces or they, you know what I mean? Thunk. Boom! Yeah, they go down and. And um, so that humility seems like an entry level kind of quality that, that you need in order to connect with God. If you're really so proud of yourself, like you might as well be God yourself, it's going to be kind of hard to connect. That's uh, an indispensable part of the process. Swedenborg asserts that you have to have that humility before anything starts with the connection to God. But I, I could also see that's really the same for people. Because if you're oh. really self-focused, oh, if, if let's say you're hanging out with me, and uh, hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically, obviously. <laughs> we choose a ridiculous example <laughs> right. so that no one will take it too seriously yes, that's to right. illustrate the point. Um, and <laughs> I am really just self-focused, and my ambition is the thing I cherish and cuddle and, and try to nurture. I, I don't, and I, and I in myself think I'm better than you or better than everybody. How are we ever going to really be friends? Yeah. Where's the friendship? We're, we're not really connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. Okay, so I want to say that's mm. a great one, and I want to draw attention to this word order that's right there, because I think yeah. that's a quality you can seek to forge a connection with God in heaven. Oh, I like that. And I'm thinking of even the strange fringes of how Swedenborg describes the interaction between us and spirits, but he talks about angels dwelling in the affection of gardening. Yeah. So, not that everybody has to like gardening. I wouldn't say I'm any kind of avid gardener myself, but constructive, um, orderly activities. I can just tell at times when I'm doing something, I'm doing the dishes yeah, or something true. equivalent, that this may be the kind of thing that whatever it corresponds to in heaven, this gets heaven going. So the more, and I do find, the more I set my life in order, which has been a struggle for me my whole life, is just to get things tidy mm. and locked in, because it's, it's hard enough to, you know, managing a mind, let alone a world around you. But whenever I can, and I'm on a pretty good roll right now, it just feels like this is heaven. So, hmm. I, so that to me seems like a connection. There's this beautiful quote that comes to mind where Swedenborg says, um, where there is order, the Lord is present, and where the Lord is present, there is order. Chicken and the egg. So there you go. That's great. Okay, so what do you guys think? We'd love to hear your responses. We've got our, our, actually that's the first thought step in our journey here to figure out the 144,000, which seems like... I don't see how. Yeah, how are you going to get okay. from there? You know, it doesn't work out yeah. okay yeah. in the All end. Right. So it, maybe this will be the first time it doesn't. So the stakes are not that high. That'll be fun to watch anyway, right? <laughs> Let's get into our setup. Something you have to know to begin with or else nothing that follows will seem wondrous. Is that <laughs> Christmas Carol, Is I believe. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's in the Muppet Christmas Good. Carol. So, 
A, a variation of that. The book, something you have to understand about the 144,000 in the book of Revelation is the broad scope of the internal sense of the book of Revelation, which Swedenborg... What, what is it about? What's the whole thing that it's about? What's it about? The whole thing, mm. everything scriptural is multi-layered, correspondences happen in levels, so this is not the only thing it's about, but a core thing it's about is talking symbolically about this huge last judgment, last judgment that Emanuel Swedenborg witnessed in the spiritual world in 1757. Oh, everybody left. Okay, well, right. let's just keep doing this show. Yeah. Before that last judgment, which we talk about in a lot of other shows, some will reference here, before that judgment and ordering happened first to get that, to be able to process the true quality of everyone in the world of spirits, so-called had to be revealed. And that is actually symbolized by the Lamb with the Book and the Seven Seals. Oh, right, right. And you were saying, you were saying before... A, a key kind of image early on in the book of Revelation that you have this book that's sealed with seven seals yeah. and nobody can open it. They don't know how to get at the information, but the Lamb is able to open it. Oh, it's, it's weird, but you were saying uh, earlier that actually the process it's talking about, figuring out what's up, is something we all go through. Like you have to uh -huh. sort of discover your... Right yourself, and this is an image of that. So in Revelation, opening these seals is pr the process mm. of revealing the quality of everyone. And we actually mm. talked about the first five seals in two episodes that we had. The first was the meaning of the book of Revelation, the four horsemen. These are on YouTube, go check them out. And our show, the meaning of the book of Revelation, the souls under the altar. Every single little piece has meaning, and we spent a whole hour-ish digging out those things. And then after those five seals, ah, what comes after five, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's probably the sixth seal, we if memory serves. And there was an earthquake that happened when the sixth seal was open, and there was a darkening of the sun and the moon. Things get very dramatic, which they are in the book of Revelation generally. Yeah. And the sun and moon are darkened. The stars fall to the earth. The sky actually recedes, and great people on earth are fearfully hiding and, and getting out of the way, and they're all terrified and everything. So in general, what you're seeing there in the inner meaning, we can't go into all the details right here, but, sure. but it's a breakdown of this corrupt kind of pseudo-religion that had taken hold of a lot of people in the world of spirits. And religion is a big deal in the world of spirits because here we don't really see things like belief systems affecting the mountains. But in the psychological right. world, which is a spiritual world, if you think about how much belief systems mm. can lock people into a certain yeah. way of life, to break one of those things apart actually is the equivalent of these spiritual earthquakes. Mm. So. Well put. Hey, hey, come on. Thanks, and man. And so the next thing that happens in there is Revelation 7, the first four verses. And this is what happens there. After these things, I, that's John, who's on the Isle of Patmos seeing all these visions, saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Okay. okay, well, corners of the earth, okay. Holding back the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Very poetic, I like that. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God, so here's a seal, and we're going to be talking about people being sealed. Yeah. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, 
It's so weird. The book of Revelation is hey, unarguably weird. Who are you? I'm an angel. Great. And guess what I'm allowed to do? Harm the earth and Harm the sea. Harm the earth ah. and the sea. Ah. Saying, so this other angel says, hey, don't do that. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Because the earth and the sea are symbolic of the good or the evil in us and the truth or the falsity. These are the two great parts of the human mind. Yes, Don't right. hurt that stuff till we separate out the things that are good. Right. And this, this what the, the viewer asked about was the sealing on the foreheads. Yep. What is that? And I heard the number of those who were sealed. So John gets told the number. 144,000 sealed out of every tribe of Israel. Now, if memory serves, there were these 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. Actually, there were like 13 or 14, depending on how you count. But they were known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And he gives a list coming up of these 12 tribes and saying that 12,000 from each tribe would be sealed. And that's how you get through the math to the 144. Okay, so here we have a picture of the sealing happening. And mm. let's just let's just scroll real quick scroll through it? these. Uh, let's scroll through the names there. because you get twelve. There you go. Out the of each one, tribes of Israel. And and look at this. They don't just say twelve of each. They go through every single tribe. Yeah, they mention them all. That's right. Which is going to be by name of great importance to us in a moment here. But I just want to say that if we're looking at big picture, what are these details layering into? It's that this this whole chapter within the book of Revelation is about people that are good being separated from people who are corrupt in the world of spirits, especially in the context of belief systems and religious stuff. You had a lot of people who were being led astray by charismatic leaders of various kinds who were getting them tangled up in stuff that's actually harmful. So this process is keeping the good people safe while the evil people sort of lived out the fullness of their evil, mm. which brings the, the kind of separation consequences that evil this has is, in it. This massive sorting, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about sorting, like this belongs here, that belongs there. It's just a centrifuge, like a big centrifuge. Right, yeah, but that's right. But if you have a centrifuge, that's spinning so that heavier elements go to the bottom and lighter ones go to the top. If those things are all joined together, everything's going to go to the bottom. Yeah. So you've got to separate right. them out to get them to their Separate levels. them out. And it's the nature of those individual things that throws them out here or they're a little lighter and so they're here in the centrifuge. Right? That's uh, such a good point. The yeah. spinning is the same for everything. Yeah, yeah. They're all subject to the same spin. Right. So then let's look at the symbolism of those first four verses. This okay. is from Apocalypse Revealed 342. Okay. And we boil it down into this. And okay, I'll here we we'll go. go piece by piece here. After these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Means all of heaven now endeavoring to carry out the last judgment. Because you have the the distance there is psychological state, so to be at the four right. corners means Not all... Not literally corners or whatever, it's just... All right. heaven. All heaven. Holding back the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Means the Lord curbing and holding back closer and therefore stronger influence on the lower regions. In other words, okay, not yet. We're not going to have that stronger influence blow on the lower regions right. where good people were attached to those evil people like the molecules you were just talking about. Right. Now, then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun. This is the Lord providing for and moderating. Having the seal, our first in instance of seal, of the living God. And this means that the Lord is the only one who knows each and every person and who can see them individually and separate them from each other. I know what kind of particle you are. Yeah. I know what kind of particle you are. The, so the seal has mm. to do with 
the love of God and that mm. the, own, the reason that God can have the authorization to undertake a process like this is doesn't matter where you end up in that centrifuge, God is as just as intent in making you as happy as you possibly will allow. That's right. And this whole process is equally loving toward everyone. It's That's not right. actually a punishment of evil and lifting no. up of the good. And it's not slapping one group and yeah. praising another. Or so something. that's the seal of God. That's the mm. nature of God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm. I can't help but speak in a prophetic voice when, uh, when I'm reading this. You sound stuff. good. It is the time. You know, granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea or the trees. This means the Lord curbing and holding back that closer and stronger influence on the lower regions we were just talking about. Right. Till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. It was going to be necessary for that stronger influence to carry on the process. But for now, don't do it yet. Before the separation of those who are devoted to truth, grounded in goodness from the Lord. So it's like you've got a seal, the, the, divine, the seal of the Lord, and then this sort of mini version of that that everybody carries. Yes, in. right. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000. What's it mean? Here it is, here it is, drum roll. Everyone who acknowledges the Lord as the God of heaven and earth and who are devoted by means of the word to true teachings based on a loving goodness from Him. And we will dig deeply into how you get that correspondence. And everyone doesn't have a number on it. Everyone's not a number. Yeah. It's everyone who has these particular qualities. Now, that's because, not to say too much now, but if you're talking about spiritual things, you don't talk about distinct quantities of objects. You're talking about states. States. So if you're talking about this that's state, right. who, everyone who's in that state is symbolized by that number. Again, we'll get into the, actually the very math of it. Coming up, sealed out of every tribe of Israel. Means heaven and the Lord's church formed from them. Yeah. And I just realized that that's a great technique that I have of saying, guess what? It's coming up. It's coming up because they can't stop watching because they've got to see what happens next. It's almost like hypnotism. Yeah. So, all right, let's go into our, our three seeds here. And I know that we'll see you on the other side of this. So, here we get to our money question. Mm. Who are the 144,000? Yeah. And it's important for me to assert at the beginning because everything that is of religion or spirituality has to point to the seal, that, that seal of God we were talking about, yeah. which is the love for everyone and the knowledge, not just the love, but the knowledge of everyone. That is the only thing that religious truth should be pointing us toward is honoring that perspective, the mm. perspective of love, trying to love and know everyone to the extent that we can. And that is, of course, us just waking up to a little bigger and bigger piece of what God is. Right. And I've never thought about it before, uh, that, that I've never noticed that seal of the living God before, that the one doing this sorting has that seal. And then all these other people are sealed, like they sort of have some mark of that, as you were saying before. Yeah. On them. So you got sort of the Aboriginal version. Yeah. You know, the archetype or something. And then there's there's the reflection of it in all these people who are, are have been sealed. I, that, that, that's cool. That and I've, uh, this is just occurring now, but you have what is getting you safely through this process. It's not that you've. Do, done your merit badges and God sees, oh, you have an overall positive score. The thing that brings you out of this is that you, the, the very love that is at the core of 
showing this process needs to happen, people who are accepting and participating in that, that, that I have the same, maybe that doesn't sound different. To me, it's, it's distinctly yeah, different. Right. The people who are participating in the same love, naturally, because it's God, God is out above that process, so you get pulled out as well. Yeah, okay. I love it. So it's important to recognize then that the 144,000, and this is why you know, we have to gently push away the idea of this being an exclusive group of people that God somehow favors more than everyone else, but actually it's not an exclusive limited group. This is 144,000 is a symbol of everyone who in some way connects with love and truth. Yeah, the number is actually supposed to do the opposite in a way, isn't it? Yeah. The number is supposed to be like 144,000, <laughs> you know. It's like, it's like saying I want a bajillion, jillion dollars. That's right. Powers, yeah. that's so, right. but the, that's what the 144,000 is. But in the context of what's happening to them, getting sealed, that is God making sure that all different kinds of people, all these different tribes, following good qualities are safe during this judgment process. Mm. To prove it to you, here's Apocalypse Revealed 348. Okay. This is from Le Revelation 7-4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, symbolically means all those who acknowledge the Lord as God of heaven and earth, and who, from the goodness that comes from love, embrace truth and the teachings that comes from Him through the Word. That's quite a mouthful. Yep. What did I just say? I think I said people who, you know, find the source of divine truth and because they have a desire to spread it out to the world, they, they understand the basic of what it is to be kind to someone, that ma magnetizes you towards that truth to use. That's right. And part of it is also, which goes hand in hand with one God, meaning that God is loving. There's not sort of an angry God and then another nice right. nice God who you need to connect with to get you past the angry God or something. You know, there's a oneness in their uh, unity. And there has to be. If, if God were just a, a shifting time-based attitude like we seem to have, right. now I'm mad at you, now I'm feeling better, now I'm full. I'm sorry about yesterday. Yeah, know. hey, no problem, man. Oh, you, you mean my example, right? <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> it was just, I just, it was pretty rude what you said. Yeah, yeah. So, I get if that way. we're saying that God is that seal of love and wisdom toward the entire human race, n loving everybody to the fullest extent of the law, mm. and, or, or possible, I should say, and knowing everyone a hundred million percent, there's only one that. There could be right. many gods if God was an arbitrary personality, but you, there's only one that. One infinite love, yeah. Such people are symbolically meant by the 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel because the 12 tribes of Israel means a church made up of people who embrace goodness and truth from the Lord and who acknowledge Him as God of heaven and earth. The number 144,000 means all such people. This number, now we start, because people are probably watching this show and saying, okay, well, why do they even have a number? It's a big number with all these things, and you just say, oh, it just means everyone. You're just wiping out everything why was not there. Say everyone There's no that. two stones left. It, why even have the Bible in the first place? Right. This is what explains that. Mm. This number means the same as 12. 144,000 means the same as 12. Because it is the result of multiplying 12 by 12 and True. then multiplying by 1,000. Is that, and then is that right? By 1, That's right. What are you, a calculator? And any number multiplied by itself and then by 10, 100, or 1,000 means the same as the original number. So it retains that characteristic, that 12 ness is yeah. in there. Yes, that's right. So it has the same meaning as 12. Now, 
That doesn't help you if you don't know what 12 means. Which we will. Does it? I mean... Right, right. And, and I, I, I mean, how much help is it to say, oh, I can explain what 144,000 means. It means the same as 12. I Thank you, everybody. Good night. I feel, I feel like we're already doing quite a lot, which we really have to go the extra mile and do that. Before we get there... It seems like something's missing, missing if we know. We've got to say that in, in there it says, it's everybody who acknowledges the Lord. There's 144,000. What That's does that mean? true. Acknowledging the Lord could sound like it's just sort of an intellectual recognition, like one country says, okay, I acknowledge your existence as another country or something. Thank you. But what, <laughs> what, what Swedenborg is talking about is really a thing of the heart, like a true, deep, heartfelt faith and love. It's not just some cerebral, oh yeah, I heard of that. Yes, and that what the Lord really is, is universal enough that you can, Swedenborg describes people who had never heard of Christianity acknowledging the Lord in a deep way. That's right. So it's not a religious divide. It's about the heart. Yes, that's right. And so it's not, we're not talking about a denominational, I mean, Swedenborg is so often not really in the denominational box. You know, I mean, there are things that you say, oh, this is Christian, this is yeah. the Bible, which is great, but, but he's really, it's, kind of one-size-fits-all in a lot of ways, you know, that, yes. there's, that there's anybody who has that sort of love and desire to be of service and, you know, some kind of understanding about reality. Okay, that works. It's this very, I find, pleasing mix of everybody's great and very specific guidelines, because it's true that as far as religious boundaries he doesn't really see much in him, which was shocking at, in his day. Even now, it can be a little shocking to some people. But then, but yet, he's saying you to be participating in this, you have to believe nothing of goodness and truth comes from yourself. That the Lord is the source of everything good. He lays out these very particular things that can and can't get into heaven. But the difference is they're accessible to everyone. It's a, the, the trickiness right. and the specificity and the rigidness ish comes in our own journey to achieve those things. And if you don't get exposed to those concepts here, you sure do after you die. That's right. Everybody has a shot. So yes. it really depends on the state of our heart. It's the opposite. That's the whole uh, thing. It's the opposite of the But I don't know how much longer I can put off talking about 12. How many minutes? We need a little counter like a, that pops up whenever we put off talking <laughs> about the number 12 and it count, starts like counting the, in any episode. Until the quarterback throws yeah. the ball or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. No. Okay, fine. Here is what, how you get to 12 and it's... I don't think we can do it. Three, Swedenborg writes, is everything connected with truth. You've got to take him at his word on that. Yeah, I guess so. And then four, is everything connected with goodness. So to combine those two, to multiply them is... 12, everything connected with truth grounded in the goodness mm. of love. Yeah. So to get that... Isn't and there then a phrase in Scripture about rooted and grounded in love, something like that? Yeah, that's that's really good. The, and that, so that's just multiplying it by those thousands, um, it, multiplying by itself and then by the thousand is just the increase in the fullness, the fuller and fuller state, I would that's right. I think. That's right. So what about these tribes. Okay. Why, so why from these tribes? to get me back for the 12 thing. Okay. So I had to do heavy lifting. Yeah. yeah, I know. So what do these tribes represent? There's 12 of them. I mean, it's just, is it worth saying that literally, like, weren't at least 10 of those tribes kind of lost at some point? Like, how is this? Yeah. Nobody even knows who they are anymore, do they, right. or something? I don't I know. Don't, yeah. So how could, how could that be the, the limit of heaven if we don't even know who these people are? 
And there's an interesting point about the 12 tribes, and you can see this in Scripture. Go, go look at it for yourself. It's amazing. Almost every single time the 12 tribes are mentioned, first of all, I got very interested when I was doing Bible studies a, a while ago, that there are 14. There, there are 14 because one of them has two sons, and so there's, there's 12, but then you've got the two sons, so there's 14. So the 12 is often made up of like one of those you know, the grandchildren, not that, you know, and like you mix them and match them. Wow. And they come in all these different orders. So there's a certain birth order and everything, but they're very seldom given in the birth order. And you think it's not rocket science, just list them in the proper order. You know, yeah. you know what it is, it's right there in the book. And yet they come up different ways. And of course, Swedenborg says, oh, well, that's because it's intentional because the meaning shifts depending on what sequence you, you know, yeah. Depending on what state you're in, sometimes Reuben comes first, sometimes Judah comes first, and you'll see that. Yeah. You'll see it in genealogies. I'm just in First Chronicles now, and Judah's listed, you know, before, <laughs> it's like, let's get Judah out of the way for two and a half chapters, because that's the most important one. Yeah. Even though he's fourth in the birth order and everything. So anyway, and Swedenborg talks about this in Apocalypse Revealed 349, sealed out of every tribe of Israel, biblical phrase, symbolically means the Lord's heaven and church are made up of such people, the kind of people we were just talking about, right. who are devoted to love and truth. Right. No great surprise if you hang around this show for any length of time. Tribe means religion that is focused on leading a good life. Weird that there's some religion that's not focused on that. It's focused <laughs> on faith or what you believe or judging people or ostracism or whatever. Yeah. But this is religion that's focused on leading a good life. And every tribe means the church in respect to every form of goodness that comes from love and every truth that comes from this goodness. Interesting that kind of the goodness comes first and then the truth comes from that. These two, this goodness and truth, being the basis of leading a good life. That's, that's where go. a good life comes from. In other words, there are two things that constitute the church in a kind of a grand sense, like what is this thing we're supposed to be doing here? Namely, goodness that comes from love and truth that comes from the church's teachings. The marriage of these two, when you're talking the talk and you're walking the walk or you got it in your head, you got it in your heart or something, yeah. the marriage of these two is the church. Because it's not, again, this is, this is the universal slash narrow and, and high requirement. Even individual or... Swedenborg, because... It's not, it's saying, look, love is important. You don't get locked inside these church boundaries. Love is important. Right. But he's not saying it's all love. That's all you need. They're, they're no. Every religious right. tradition, every spiritual practice has all these principles. And those principles are... Specific aren't, teachings. Specific teachings, mm. and they're an indispensable part of the religion or, or of the spiritual path. Mm. And you can't just throw those away. You have nothing. You can't throw away the love because then you have a skeleton. What makes the church is marrying those principles with the desire to use them to live a life that benefits others. The and flesh and the bones, as it were. That's both. The 12 tribes of Israel represented and so came to symbolize the church in respect to this marriage. Weird. Okay, those 12 tribes represented that. Each tribe representing some universal truth derived from goodness or some form of goodness derived from truth within this marriage. So even each one yeah. is like either a truth that comes from a goodness or a goodness that comes from a truth. Mm -hmm. And then you put them all together, you've got these 12, that, that covers the whole subject. However, 
The meaning of each individual tribe has not been revealed to anyone until now. Since their symbolic meaning depends on the way they're connected, this could not have been revealed without the holy meaning that's concealed within them in combination being profaned by some poorly stitched together explanation. Hey. So that's why you didn't do that before, yeah. is that get in there with your hatchet and you know just go crazy yeah. with the inner meaning or something. I, no, I, it's not gonna work. I think poorly stitched together explanation is a direct shot at this show though, which yeah. I think is a little juvenile. It was harsh. Swedenborg. It was harsh, okay. it was a low blow. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, we've got these meanings of these different tribes and the order matters. How about in this instance, what are they talking about? Well, it's interesting that Swedenborg talks about the three times the four. So he breaks the 12 down into four sets of three. Yeah. And these three tribes, these four sets of these three tribes represent qualities in people that would make up particular aspects of this new heaven that was being constructed. And so if Swedenborg is great to me about the levels of heaven and his kind of specificity about this is here and people here love this and pe you know I don't know who who else is saying this stuff I don't know yeah. it's amazing yeah. to me. Okay, so let's have a look at this, shall we? Shall let's we dig break in tribe by tribe here. Sets of tr threes. Okay, so you've got the celestial heaven, highest heaven, highest heaven. That's the top one, and it has this love to the Lord. That's the overarching love. That's what drives them there. Is this love of God? And Judah means that love, the celestial love or love for the Lord, and Reuben is wisdom that's springing from celestial love. So there's love, there's wisdom. They often pal around together in Swedenborg's uh, theology. And here's Gad, who means useful life. It means a troop, a troop is coming. Uh, this whole troop, they're useful life endeavors, applying that love and wisdom to life you have in countless, in a troop of different ways. You have celestial love and wisdom coming together in this marriage, which we said is the essential of the church, and the offspring of that is these useful life endeavors. That it's not even a, really about the principles and the love meeting, because if, if they meet and you feel really good, but don't do anything, you can't really be said to be doing either. The actual love and wisdom find their grounding or their resting place in these actions they that really do come to life and we could go way into the hebrew meanings of all these names if we remember no we them. can't but, we don't uh, know that <laughs> but actually you do and here's a quote that sometimes that goes with that there are three things that hang together and cannot be separated love wisdom and useful life endeavor if one is taken away the other two collapse and i think he means any one of those yes. you got no love as you were saying hollow shell type of thing you take away the wisdom it's like oh dumb you know, you're just, you know <laughs> that's a pretty good right? impression and useful life endeavor yeah. is like if you got love and wisdom but you're not doing anything or benefiting anybody yeah. so you got to have those three together and you so, might think that in that previous setting it's oh well the most important ones on top you, you decide which is the most important. If any of them leaves, everyone dies. Which is the most important? Yeah, yeah. They right. go together. I love the way he does this. So, now we get to the second set of three. Spiritual heaven, okay, which is just one notch lower than the celestial heaven. And what reigns there is love for the neighbor. And he says that Asher means a mutual love, which is a love of performing useful services to the community or society. It's charity toward the neighbor. But mutual love is a very high thing in Swedenborg's system. You know, yeah. it's a very, very good form of love. But it has to do with your, your neighbor. Naphtali, which has something to do with wrestling, 
means temptation and regeneration which lead to a perception of what is useful. And Manasseh is a will to serve and to put into practice. And you can really see here in the spiritual heaven that it's very cool stuff, but there's more of a sense of we're still in the process versus the celestial heaven. We we're resting in the completed we're process. We're in a state of peace and everything. Here we're kind of fighting a little bit. There's temptation, yeah. there's uh, struggles and trials going on and all that. Again, um, you can't just say, oh, well, the celestial heaven's the best. I think the principle applies. You take away any of these heavens, all of them perish. So they're all essential to That's each right. other. That's right. They're essential. And here's a quote that goes with that. People who have overcome in temptations or trials have an interior perception of useful ends. Ends are like purposes or goals, yeah. you know, what you're striving for. For temptations or trials open the interior constituents of the mind. So again, here, mutual love, understanding or perception, and will or action. These also form a unit so that if one is missing, the other two have no reality. So these, these are not separate things. They're things that yeah. go together. And look at that first clause. People who have overcome temptations or trials have an interior perception of useful ends. So temptations or trials meaning dark nights of the soul, really yeah, difficult right. things that you difficult go through. Stuff. That get, gives you an, a heightened focused understanding of why helping is good, of why useful things are useful. And you just know, oh. once, once you've been opened in those negative depths, you do appreciate more happiness and, and knowing the value in people. It just, that, to me, that's and, very and insightful. Compassion for others who are suffering, so you really mm. start to understand, I've got to do this to help this yeah. person. You, know, you right? get why that helps, yeah. and the need for help. You, you expand your ability to understand the need for help. Even though it's no fun when you're going through it, it does leave you with that. Mm. And then we've got the next heaven, the natural heaven, which is below the spiritual heaven, but not like inferior to, I mean, it's, it's yes. not like it's a worthless heaven or something, you know, it's <laughs> wait, about wait. obedience. What heaven faith. did you get to, Joe, the natural oh, I only heaven? <laughs> I only made the natural heaven. Simeon means obedience. Simeon has to do with hearing, obedience, and spiritual love, which is love for the neighbor or charity. Now, you got mutual love is a, is a very high thing. This is spiritual love or the, that love for the neighbor. Levi, which is the whole priesthood thing, an affection for truth, and the resulting intelligence which lead to good works. So it's that you love, love the truth and that leads you to good works. And then Issachar is goodness of life, which leads to faith and salvation. This is something that you have to have. You need to have good works in order to be saved and so on, even right. though a lot of people say no. But these things go together. Again, you've got a set of three that go together. Okay, so we've had three, three, three. That's great. And we've covered those three heavens. So I don't know what could be, what comes <laughs> next. But first, we've got to read a quote, don't we? Yeah, a little foreshadowing there. The effect produced by spiritual love, which is love for the neighbor and symbolized by Simeon, operating through an affection for truth, which is symbolized by Levi. So you love your neighbor and that makes you hungry for the truth because right. you need to understand how to be a good neighbor to somebody. That's not easy. It's a lot of stupid ways to do it. Is goodness of life. So that the effect of that is goodness of life, which is Issachar. Awesome. Bam. So you were setting up the tension here because we've gone down from the celestial to the spiritual to the natural heaven. Kind of covered the whole set. There's one more set. We, is it going to be the earth? What, what could is it going to be hell? Three? Is it going to be something bad? I don't know. 
Oh, the union of all these heavens, these three heavens with the Lord. Wow, the last three are all about uniting. So Zebulun is the marriage love, marriage love, that's a strange phrase that Swedenborg uses sometimes, and he uses it sort of impersonally of these qualities, Yeah, that there's a kind of marriage love of goodness and truth, marriage love of the Lord and the church, which the epistles talk about, the union with the Lord of those in the celestial heaven. And you Zebulun. could say, oh, he's sort of comparing the joining of goodness and truth and the Lord and the church to marriage, which we experience between right. people in this world. Like, oh, that, that you see little shades of real marriage, which is between people in those. No, these are the other way around. That the other a- way around. actual marriage is the way goodness and truth join. It is the way the Lord joins with the church. Remember, that's the thing inside each of us. And actually, it's an echo or just like a subset of that that manifests in marriage on earth. And people now and then get to kind of emulate that and feel that, yep. uh, reflect yep. it for a little while under certain circumstances. And Joseph is the doctrine of goodness and truth, doctrine having to do with teaching, the union with the Lord of those in the spiritual heaven. So that connection between the spiritual heaven and the Lord is Joseph and Benjamin is a life of truth grounded in goodness union with the Lord of those in the natural heaven. So Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin are connecting all three of what we just read about, that most essential tying back to the Lord and connection. So here's a quote that goes with that. No one comes into heaven except those whom the Lord conjoins to himself. So the three tribes last named represent union with the Lord. Because it's really, that's what people see when they have an NDE, isn't it? That they go through the tunnel of light and then they see this being of love and everything. That connection is really what it's all about. And that's quite a personal thing. Yeah, that's right. But that's, that's what it's all about. That's right. Okay, so that is exactly how you understand the 12 tribes of Israel in that's the Bible, the, according to Swedenborg. That's the only that's possible it. way to understand it. That now you've got perfect clarity, except we're dealing with Emanuel Swedenborg. So, there's actually an entire other way (laughs) you can frame it where what was the entirety becomes a little subset. So, would you explain that to us? I don't think I possibly could. But what he says, well, what I need to do really is uh, drag the Bible into this for a second. Because after you read about these 12 tribes here who were sealed, And some people think that means there's only 144,000 people going to heaven. But if you just read the next verse, you see, oh, no, that's not true. Because what does it say in the next verse? After these things, I looked, says John, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So here you've got this great multitude. Yeah, so you see these two different kind of colors that are used here, the 144,000, and then around that you've got this even larger multitude of people. So Swedenborg kind of shifts a little bit and talks about these two groups, the 12 tribes as opposed to the great multitude. Yeah. And he says the 12 tribes are people in the, it's going to give you a headache, in the inner higher levels of heaven and the great multitude is people in the outer, lower levels of heaven. So we kind of shifted our grid there a little bit, because before we were talking about the 12 tribes being everybody in all level of heaven. Yeah. 
But now he's saying, well, there's another way of looking at it, which is the 12 tribes are just the people in the inner higher levels. And then you've got this great multitude of people in those outer mm -hmm. lower levels of heaven. It's your fault. You're watching a Swedenborg show. We, we're going to give you it's the Swedenborg stuff. stuff. There's nothing we can do. Our backs are against the wall here. Hey, remember, it's not, higher, it's not hierarchy like you think of hierarchy, higher heaven, lower heaven. Think about the skin versus the muscles versus the bones. Who's better? Well, uh, the bones are for deeper in, but if you don't have the skin, nobody's happy. Muscles really happy that the skin is there. <laughs> you know? That's right. So now going on to our third seed here. This is actually something that Swedenborg says is the secret. And he'll do this every once in a while and say, mm. there's a secret that hasn't been revealed. Here's the secret. So here's a little secret for you. This is Apocalypse Revealed 363. Mm. Revelation 7, 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number. You were right. There it is. Symbolically means all those left were the kind who could not be counted, but who will nevertheless be in the Lord's new heaven and the new church. So interesting. So there's sort of your countable people and your uncountable and that has some spiritual meaning that we won't go into, but go on. They are the ones who make up the lowest heaven and the external church, and oh. only the Lord can know how good they are. Lowest That's the seal. and the external church. Very interesting. Because weren't we just saying, oh, you might be saying, oh, if you're in the lowest heaven and the external church, you might not be that good. You don't know. Only God knows. It could oh be that they've got, they've got, everybody's got their own love and wisdom. So there's something, some way in which you're connected to actual love and wisdom, which is mm. God, that nobody else is. So mm. this is another important uh, reason why judge not. Furthermore, That's the it. Lord has an inner and an outer church. Those referred to as the 12 tribes of Israel are the ones who make up the Lord's inner church, like you were just saying. The ones we are now talking about, though, make up the Lord's outer church, and they cling inseparably to those who are counted above, as the lower part of something clings to its upper part. E.g., what does that even stand for, E.g.? For example. Like the body to its head. Yeah, well, okay. It's Latin. <laughs> exactly gratia. Yeah. Of course. Like the body to its head, right? That's a good... Is the head going to be happy without the body? So it's not like you're going to have some civil war between these two groups. These That's groups right. are mutually interdependent and very appreciative of each other. Consequently, the 12 tribes of Israel symbolically means both the higher heavens and the inner church, while these people who could not be counted symbolize the lower heavens and the outer church. And if I we're going on it. the... The human body correspondences, like the grand human, which heaven is, where everybody mm. who's in it corresponds in part. Here's what Swedenborg says, these different groupings or tribes, which are not the actual literal tribes from history, but the people who have these particular qualities in them across all time and space. Mm. This is how they line up with, with the grand Here's human form. meaning number two. We're swinging yeah. through the 12 again that you have these various different functions in this grand human. Heaven is in this enormous human form, interrelated as the organs and parts of the body are. Judah, Reuben, and Gad have to do with the forehead, which was that celestial love, that highest yes. level. So the people said. in those three kinds of love go into the forehead of the grand human. Right. Asher, Naphtali, and Manasseh, the eyes and the nose, interestingly. Yeah, yeah. Simeon, Levi, and Issachar, Simeon meaning hearing again, is the ears and the cheeks, which is interesting. Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin, the mouth and the tongue. And this great multitude is just, you know, all that other stuff from your neck down. <laughs> you know, heart, lungs, yeah. few other organs, stuff like that. There's some stuff going the on. The body there. below the head. And so fascinating that he maps it out that way that the, all the 12 tribes are like right up here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 
That was me throwing a wrench in at the end. I just thought of doing that. That's funny. I'm throwing a wrench in here because we've been talking about this on the large scale, the multi-person scale, where you have people who are right. in sure. either in history or in you know, at, at, at the, the uh, level of the entire human race. But all of this, I would say, could be applied to us individually because we mm. go through, there was this large last judgment, which Swedenborg talked about right. historically. Right. We all go through that same process in the world of spirits, meaning the place you go at right after you die. This is where you get centrifuged. And everything that's negative in you goes down, everything that's positive in you goes up, and you get to really choose what am I jettisoning and what am I making my life. So you can take everything we've said here and apply it to your own self as well. And the wild thing is that that's all kind of happening in, in some cases at the same time. In yeah. other words, you have these individuals who are being sorted and even parts within the individual, like, like an old trait that served you when you were younger, but it's actually pretty dark and you don't yeah. need it anymore. Uh, that's being separated out, centrifuged out, and, and higher things are rising up, and then people are m moving this way and that as they find their place and everything. The key thing to remember f to me in all this is that God wants absolutely everyone in heaven and wants them as, as high and in the best possible place that he can get them, what, whatever they're, they're best suited to. And so there's a place, there is a heaven, a heaven heaven, a really great heaven for all kinds of different people in this new church heaven and in this new church that he's creating on the earth, not so much just kind of one denomination, but this yeah. new whole movement, spiritual movement that's going on, there's room for all kinds of people in this thing. If we go back to the, the seal in the beginning, and if we were saying that that was a symbol for the attitude of loving everyone and knowing everyone, well, what is, what is the use? So we have this love and wisdom laid out, but it's got to have a use with it. What's the actual action that love and wisdom takes? Mm. It's putting people in heaven. Because hev what heaven is, is permanent happiness or, or a permanent cycle that yeah, includes right. happiness. So, so that there's quite a cottage industry to be had in, in placement, in heaven placement, right? Like yeah. helping people get there. That's it. That's helping people along their path and everything. That's the whole thing. That's the whole game. This is, and this whole story of the 144,000 is a little bit under the hood of just how much work and thought God is putting into doing this for everyone. Now, mm. let's meditate on that for a minute. Mm. We're going to be looking here at scenes focusing on that idea of heaven as a grand human and that it's organized with all the different uses mm. and functions that you find in a human body. We're actually going to play you clips from a video we made called You Are the Lungs, which was explaining that very concept. This is just an excerpt from that. But as you see these functions happening, just think about you know everything we heard about, all the different ways people connect with God in heaven and the care God takes to pull you in, whoever you are and whatever you're doing and what heaven is like, you know, as a community that functions like the body. So let's relax and let it sink in.
just goes on and on. You got the perfect form, which is the, mm. the all the different functions in the human body. You got people who can perfect every little bit of that, and from that make the whole more perfect, and it goes around and around and around, and the invitation into that is what the 144,000 is. So that's pretty good, man. Hope uh, you got something cool. good opened up for you in that. Mm. And I would love to know, we've covered a lot of stuff here, to we say heard. the least. If you had to nail it down into a soundbite, what's the takeaway? The thing that I'm finding myself thinking about coming away from all this is that the, a, a passage that has been read as meaning that there's literally a quota system on heaven and there's only 144,000 people who are let in and everybody else is toast, in Swedenborg's view, means the exact opposite. That <laughs> yeah. people of all different kinds of these quite specific different types of love, different types of truth, different types of good action and so on, it's all, it's an all-encompassing kind of view. I think it's kind of cool that it kind of means the opposite and it's all about connecting with the Lord in your own unique way. Shows a picture of the nature of, of God. Mm. Right? Hey, let's go from that to some, that peaceful, beautiful thought to something much more stressful and terrifying. Good. Let's do the elevator pitch. All right. Should I go first? Yeah. Okay, so this is the game. I mean, you guys have already put your ideas in. We are going to try to, we're acting like, said. let's say that you suddenly step onto an elevator and the person next to you says, hey, what about thing X from Swedenborg? <laughs> and you only have a minute, a New York minute, to get this person not only to know what that thing is, but why it matters. It could happen to you. Let's practice for it right now. So, okay, all right, good. you want to go first? That's a good way to look at it, sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's <clears> see <throat> what you've all picked out for the good Dr. Jonathan. During, during our elevator pitch. Right, right. I always forget that little thing is coming. Okay, Matthew Bush, mm. thank you. First experiences after death. Okay, so I'm stepping on the elevator. Mm. Bing. Ah, hey, sorry to bug you, man, but um, what are the first experiences after death all about, according mm. to Swedenborg? All right. Well, people who have near-death experiences often talk about going through the light, being greeted by this being of love, uh, reconnecting with loved ones, and so on. Swedenborg has, in a way, a more specific kind of thing. I often think of it being like a pinball machine, that when you start with a pinball, it always starts at the top, and then it bings its way down. Yeah. So you start with the highest kind of angels, just beings of love, and only if you reject those do you go the next ones who are spiritual angels. And then they, they peel something off your left eye and they give you spiritual vision. And then they, uh, any qu question is answered and so on. And then you, you seek your own level. And you're not done then. You can always get back to other levels later on. But you seek your own level through this whole system. And what it's about is finding what makes you tick. It's a process of... Um, self-evaluation and for others to know us. So it's a beautiful, beautiful story that people describe. Pinball. I love that, man. I never <laughs> thought about it like that. Awesome. Okay, that's great. So yes, that is what the, you know, the, the, the schematic, like what is happening yeah, to you right. when you go down there. Beautiful. Right. Okay, great. So there you go, everyone. If you ever get yourself in that situation, <laughs> remember pinball? <laughs> that's cool. I like that. All right, let's see. What, what's going to be uh, Curtis's uh, situation here? 
Love and wisdom. Yes, great. Okay, let's do it. This is from Joy. Thanks, Joy. I don't know. They're everywhere, and I don't know what they are. I'll give you a couple of things. It's, okay, it, good. How about the, everything? So what we're standing on, the world that we're in, in this elevator mm. here, you could say is a kind of wisdom, because it's a manifestation, right? It's a thing, whereas love is the underlying reality that that mm. thing would come from. That's a physical example. Really where they shine is inside you. So you think about the love is the driving force, so the wisdom is the form it takes to actually do something. You might think that a little baby would be a picture of love, but actually the, the baby is a picture of wisdom and the, the love is the womb around. The love is the thing that mm. lets this, this instance go forth. Mm. So in God, you find the source, you, you find the elemental form of all love and wisdom. What they are there, we really can't comprehend, but as they bounce out and come through us, it's the thing that makes everything tick, but it can come down to being just as tangible as, I feel like I wanna help you, and now I know how, and I'm gonna do it. Wow. I think you were the closest to the bell that we've ever been there. Yeah, right, and that's the game. That's the <coughs> whole game. <laughs> All right, guys, so there right you go. Right as we hit the 44th floor. You Should go. you find yourself in there, just say that. Just say what we said. That what was is, very good. Thanks, Ben, hey, yours that as well. Really that, hey, so it's a fun exercise because we can get lost in terms and things, but it should be that you can find new verbiage around this stuff. You should be able to explain it meaningful and meaningfully and quickly if it's really something tangible, if it's actually right. something that exists. That's you right. Know, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old. Okay, so we are going to now hear what you had to say. Enough with us. Let's hear it from you. In the beginning, you answered a question. We're mm. going to read your answers next, but first... We're going to let you know how you can support us and our nonprofit organization make this kind of programming. Please consider joining our community of sustaining supporters by going to otle.causevox.com and setting up a recurring monthly donation at a value of your choice. Any amount helps. Our sustaining supporters are the backbone of what we do at Off the Left Eye and allow us to continue to create high-quality programming that nourishes thousands every week around the globe. Your help makes a difference. If you can think all the way back to the beginning of our journey, when we had our icebreaker question, do you remember what it was about? I actually do. It was this. <laughs> what are some qualities we can seek in <laughs> order to forge that? a connection with God and heaven? I remembered it so much it flashed onto the screen through my mind power. And let's see, what did you all have to say about that? Keep his commandments. That's from Big Country. Mm. Compassion. Pray first before all the anxiety and angst hits, right? Do a little preemptive. Humility, innocence, contentment, and gratefulness. The release of expectation and humility. Oh, release of expectation. That's interesting, yeah. Being receptive to divine love and wisdom that comes from the Lord. Mm. All right, and then the next one. Humility, love, and truth. Yeah. Love and humility. Hey, there we go. Hey, we go. We got the I whole like set. that. We got something going here. Ask God for a connection and be open to how God appears, like in a neutral way, not commanding, but inquiring. Mm. Love our neighbor, not judge others, quiet in the mind so you can hear, abide in the Lord, follow his direction, not your own. Love it. Nice. The question reminds me of my grandma who was very humble and loved everyone. She would help anyone whenever they needed. I think her qualities connected her to God, mm. and she was blessed. Love everyone and forgive people. 
That's right. Find each day where I can be useful and helpful. Discipline. Discipline. Yeah, awesome. And look at the spectrum. That's good. Of all I these really different kinds like of things. That. So thank you, everyone. That's really great. For sharing that because there actually are a lot of good, correct answers to that question. This is just like the 144,000. Look at how the different ways in which those people are metabolizing. I like what you're doing there. You mean tying it in? No, look good. at the different ways in there those people it's, are metabolizing goodness and truth and saying this is how I turn, yeah. this is my useful action that I apply. And you would to. not say this answer is not correct or yeah. this answer is better than that answer. Right. They're, they're the whole range of, of things. There's so, such a range of ways to connect. The use of the spectrum, if it was, uh, you know, we've got to have that love in there, but if nobody had discipline, there are the, the, you can apply all these qualities to each of us, but to have specialists in different kinds allow us to work together. I'm really good at this, so I'll do this, and that's exactly what the body is. It's the, the things, the structures that do one thing, being where they need to be, the other structures being somewhere else. That's heaven, man. Speaking of heaven, our show News from Heaven is coming up. We've got a couple of episodes mm. for you this week. On Thursday, we've got an episode that talks about how angels revive half-dead spirits. And then oh, on Saturday, how to tell if your desires are fake. You can have fake desires? Yeah, man. Oh, you wow. haven't had any? So then there's our short clips, which we released a poll, and you all voted and said, can evil spirits be reborn on earth to get a second chance? Well, we have a short clip about that. And then how to connect with God when hell seems stronger. Oh, uh, boy. Then next Monday, we have our Good Question Giving Tuesday Spectacular. This is where we're going to have a panel, a bigger panel than usual. We'll get a no, everybody pretty much That's there. That's right. Tying in and answering whatever's on your mind, and you'll get a chance to win amazing prizes as we try to give it in the Good Giving Tuesday spirit. All right. And then the... Uh, and that's only... Part one of two yeah, parts, right? Yeah, right. Well, we're going to have another good question after that, the following Monday. So we'll have a lot of live programming coming up. We want to connect with you personally. Stay tuned for that. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. We really appreciate it. Thank you for hanging out. Um, that was good fun. Somebody please. said that we should hug instead of shake hands, but I don't know if we're quite there yet. So, okay. <laughs> See you guys. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner.